1: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. Mike Oss along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. Back to back wins, wins over Carolina, and then the Giants 24 to six to get to seven and seven. That NFC South still still out there. And, you know, it was just that giant win. I don't mean giant win, but <laughs> the New York Giant win. There's no
2: perfect game, but that was a pretty complete game. Yeah, look, I, I thought, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably the best way to say it is that we did some really good things on offense, defense, and special teams. You can point to uh, each area and point to a lot of positive plays and not many negative ones. I, look, we kind of started slow, I think, in the first half offensively, um, had some opportunities, but, but uh uh, came out at the beginning of the first half, and and I think we scored on our first three possessions um, with with sustained drives. That 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 was all good, uh, um, and good to see. There, we can talk about some
1: individual players, but there's certain stats that that jump out for me. And you only get to this third down stat because of the way you play it on first and second down. But the Giants were two of 16 on third down, and they what they needed to get as an average on third down was 10 and a half yards. So on 16 third downs, they faced at least 10 and a half yards as an average. Uh, that is a, a stunning stat right there. And it speaks volumes, again, to your third down, but also your first and
2: second down. Yeah, absolutely. Um Look, when you, when you go through these games and you, and you look at you know, situational football, if you have, um, third down and, and in that I'll call it six or less yards, your, your, uh, opportunity to convert to first downs goes up pretty dramatically. If you're seven plus, then, uh, the percentages of conversion are way down. I think, yeah, we were two of six, they were two of 16, um, I think 12 of those were seven yards plus. Um, and that, that's why they were two of 16, to be honest with you, um, that our defense did a great job in, in, situational football. Um, you know, interestingly enough, we, you know, they've done a great job this year with takeaways and, and this was a game where we didn't really have any takeaways, but we did have you know, two turnovers on downs. And so uh, in my mind, those are like takeaways. Well, I
1: know Dennis counts him uh, as takeaways. He talks about
2: it. He talks about him all the time, seven sacks.
1: I don't know um, that you could set the tone any better than the way DeMario Davis set the tone. Uh, I mean, he had 10 tackles, a sack, two tackles for a loss, a quarterback hit. But it was really kind of just the intensity that he kind of brought that I, I just felt set the tone.
2: Yeah, you know, during the week, he challenged some of the veteran players, um, you know to have a little gas in your tank let's see what you got and and look a number of guys Demario Tano um um you know some of our offensive players Alvin and they they responded um and and look you're going to oftentimes you're going to go as your veteran players and your leaders go and and they certainly showed up uh last weekend and whether he
1: needed it or not I don't know he's been throwing 70% his last 6 games but very impressive game for Derek Carr. Again, 70 plus. I think it was one of his, I think the six best completion percentage in his career. I mean, it was just a, it was a, it was a day, a solid day for him. And, and again, maybe you won he needed, I don't know.
2: Yeah, look, it was a solid day for Derek. Um, you know, he made, he made you know, really good decisions, um, put the ball in the right places most of the time. And, and, uh, Look, our players, you know, made plays. And and that's despite not having, um, you know, Mike Thomas or Chris Olave out there. So uh, each week it's been a little bit of a um, merry-go-round in terms of who's playing and, and the playmakers that we have on the field. And, and uh, you know, Chris wasn't able to go, but Rashid was. Uh, we got uh, Taysom Hill back this week, who, interestingly enough, didn't play, didn't have a lot of production production. Um, uh, in this particular game, he's an important player to us. Um, in each of our wins, he's played an important role. And this was one of the few games where he didn't have a lot of touches and a lot of opportunities, um, and yet we were still able to win.
1: And no oh, Ryan Ramchek and this offensive line, Derek Carr was sacked just one time. He the, the touchdown he threw to Keith Kirkwood, man, he got a ton of time. I mean, this offensive line without Ryan Ramchek and Kayvon Thibodeau on the other side, Felt like they had, and again,
2: and I feel like another significantly impressive performance. Yeah, look, I think I think our coaches had a good plan uh, for blocking Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, who's had a, a you know a great season so far. They had a they had a good plan for him, and and uh, didn't allow him to to uh, um, you know wreck the game.
1: But it's a short week. But it's a short week for both teams. You do have to travel. Uh, we had Dr. Matt Ray on last night, and not surprisingly, he talked about the science of the body healing, and he said it's about 48 hours for most to, to about Tuesday afternoon, this afternoon at, at some point, or earlier today, some longer, but it, it is a it is a toll on the body, but he said it's really the where you lose, and I say lose, but both teams are going through it, is it, you, it's, it's you, the condensed time of on the field work. The body will heal itself, somewhere in that time, but where you lose is really getting the on-the-field work, right?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, we definitely we definitely don't have the same level of preparation that you would have in a normal week. Both teams are in that um, circumstance. You know, you don't have as much time to game plan, so everything gets compressed. Generally, the game plans get a little more simple. Um, you rely on things that, that you've done well during the season and uh, becomes a little more, I think, in these circumstances, it becomes a little bit more about us as opposed to about the opponent. Um, there's still certainly that element, but but just because of the time frame uh, and the preparation time, you, ha- you have to, um, you know, condense things.
1: Last question of this segment before we take a break. Is there any um, advantage because you have, this the first year that the NFL is doing the two Thursdays for teams that can have two Thursdays you did it week seven to weeks, week six to seven, um, that you, you at least you kind of have been through this, this, this kind of Monday through Thursday schedule.
2: Yeah. Well, look, everybody, uh, you know, we've all had Thursday games. Uh, all of us. Um, I think this is the first time where we've had, uh, we've had two split apart. I think, you know, one year we had a, a Thanksgiving Thursday and then played the following Thursday, but that's a normal, you know, one week schedule. So, um, this is a little different. Um, you know, look, we're going to pass judgment on it based on if we win or lose, right? <laughs> That's what we do. Um, but look, the schedule's a schedule. Everyone's going to have to, at some point deal with this. Um, and, you know, it, our numbers up this year. So, um, it'd be easier certainly if we didn't have to travel, Uh, for this second one but look the benefit is that you know we're gonna have 10 days you know after this game so there's there's certainly the downside of a short week but on the other end of it you get a longer week and and um we'll take advantage of that
1: take a quick break mike haus along with saints executive vice president and general manager mickey loomis this is the saints hour back after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour, Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. Today, the team announced that the team had voted Foster Morrow, the 2023 Ed Block Courage Award uh, for the Saints based on those who have persevered through adversity, work ethic, and clearly what what Foster did battling uh, with cancer before even really signing with this team uh, speaks volumes just kind of his character and, and really we we I think sometimes we forget what is what this young man has been through a short time ago you know it was because it was in the offseason and he's back out playing but we I don't think we, we we
2: don't give it maybe enough credit well um look it's it's good that we you know have kind of put that on the back burner because that means things have gone well right um look I was right there with with uh, um with Foster, when he got the, you know, diagnosis, um, at, that is about as shocking, uh, information as you can get. I think when you're going through what you think is going to be a really routine physical and, um, credit to Dr. Amos and, uh, for, for, you know, discovering it number one and credit to, um, all the doctors and, and medical people that have helped him, um, Get treatment for and, and overcome this, but most of all, look, foster, um, you know, his medic, his uh, mental toughness to get through that and play this season has just been really remarkable, and and um, we're all proud of him for that. Um, look, it's it's hard to you know you can't put yourself in those shoes unless you've been through something like that, but um, he certainly is is deserving. Uh, the Ed Block Courage Award, and he has a
1: kind of a larger-than-life. If you those who don't know him, he's got a larger-than-life sense of humor. I mean, he is, uh, and but he's kind of taken this, not surprisingly, um, and turned it into you know you play offense, uh, making that his message. Uh, get your cancer screenings, get those medical checkups, do the things that nobody
2: wants to do, but you need to do it. Yeah. Look, he's one of those guys. And look, I think, I think um, I would say virtually every player on our team is, is, is like this is they're going to take some adversity and turning it, turn it into something positive. That's just, it's part of being um, a high achiever that which all these guys are, they're high achievers, right? They can, can deal with, they've all dealt with adversity in their life in one form or another. And they've all, uh, come out the other side of it stronger and better, and they all have the capacity to transfer that uh, to the community and to the people around them. and And Foster's certainly one of those guys. He's he's really upbeat, really positive. He does have uh, uh, what I would say is a quirky sense of humor. Um, and and look, I think in some ways it was a blessing that that uh, this was discovered and he was able to come home to. New Orleans and, and be surrounded by uh, a pretty big support system here. Um, but all credit to to Foster.
1: And quite frankly, it is that character of the entire team that you talk about. And it's not really a question, but that's how they become Saints. That's how they get into the locker room. It, it is that that kind of character. And we, we talk about this every week, but I don't know that it's been so Las Vegas loses to Minnesota 3-0. Then they win the next week 63-21. Seattle beats Philly last night. Carolina beats Atlanta. I don't know that I don't know that I actually don't like the word parity because that makes it sound like it's not good. Right. I think these are good teams. Seven and seven feels like a a different seven and seven than in years past. Maybe it is parody, but there's nothing that surprises you in the NFL these days.
2: Well, look, listen, we've, I've said this before, uh, lots of people have said it, the the difference between winning and losing in the NFL is, is, uh, um, really small. Um, there's not a team in, in the NFL that can't beat another team. There's not a, um, there's not a great team in the NFL that can't lose to the team that has the worst record. It, it the, the margins are so small that, um, any of the variables that happen during the course of the game can change the outcome of the game. And so you just have to be conscious of that. You have to, you know, just keep grinding. Um, as long as you have a chance uh, to make the playoffs, you just keep grinding. And then even then you you keep grinding because, uh, look, winning a game is, is really difficult and it's an accomplishment regardless of what your record is. You could see, you know, I saw the end of the Carolina game and just, man, the, the, um, the relief that the joy that those guys got from winning a game, um, you know, speaks volumes. It uh, speaks volumes as to their commitment and their passion for for the game. And and uh, I think we all all need to keep that in mind uh, as we watch these games.
1: Need to take our second break. This is Mike Haas along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints we're back after this on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: Welcome back. This is the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis uh, at the owners meetings in Dallas. Um, was there I know other than I know the Super Bowl in twenty seven so far where we are heading for Thursday. Was there a lot of officiating talk or is it just that come later when more of the committees get together?
2: Yeah, look, uh, um, you know, I'm on a couple committees. There was a little bit of discussion about officiating about, uh, you know, the way things are, 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 uh, going this season. And we got some statistics and, and some trends. Um, there'll be a, obviously a much bigger discussion after the end of the season and, and all the information's in, um, you know, they expanded the number of international games, uh, I think from four to eight, um, uh, for down the road so that they can take uh, the NFL football to a few other markets. Um, let's see what else I I can't remember too many other things that obviously there's discussions about, you know, a lot of different topics. Um, I think primarily in the owners meeting, they're discussing a lot of business issues, but, um, there were a few, uh, football issues, uh, discussed.
1: I'm asking this question, not, because of your team, but because I've seen it uh, several other times and it feels like there needs to be some clarity versus what I would call an Aussie punt <laughs> or someone who happens to take two steps in one direction, right? Because I, I feel like there's, I've seen it several times where I don't, I'm not sure, you know, there's a difference, right?
2: Well, yeah, look, I mean, th- when, when you do the, uh, the rugby style or Aussie punt, whatever you call it. And you're, you're, um, rolling out effectively before you punt it you lose some of the protections, not all of them, but you lose some of the protections that, um, the normal punt would get punter would get, um, you know, where that line, you know, exactly where that line is. I'm not sure. Um, but look, I, it was a good call, you know. Um, the week before, when 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 we got the, uh, um, you know, when we got the roughing in the kicker, that was a good call, I thought. And then, and then the week before, when when we didn't, that I mean, that's the rule. So uh, we have to understand that and and you know act accordingly. It's
1: as we often talk about. It's not really who you play, but when you play them. And there would have been a time this year when you looked at the Rams maybe differently. Uh, they've won four of their last five, and if you go back to that, uh, the loss was the Baltimore game, which they kind of, I won't say had in hand, but they, they had that game in pretty good situation until Baltimore scored late and then uh, the punt returned to enter. They could have easily have won uh, their last five. This is a team with Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup and Kyron Williams that, that will be a very, very formidable opponent on Thursday night.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've got – have got uh, well coached. Uh, they've got a heck of an offense with a veteran quarterback who's, who's been one of the better players in our league for, for quite some time. And they have, you know, weapons um, in Cooper Cup and this rookie receiver, uh, Puka. They've got a good running back that, you know, their offensive lines played well. They've got, you know, a, a player tight end that they can go to. So they, they are a dangerous team um, and can put up a lot of points. I think they've put up a lot of points in the last four yeah. or five weeks. Like thirty, you know, they didn't have thirty-three or 30. They didn't have, you know, their best receiver, Cooper Cup, at the beginning of the season. So, um, you know, that may explain some of their early struggles. But, but yeah, they're a good football team, and and we're going to have to have our A game to be competitive. Is there any not advantage, but
1: certainly because you played there and so far against the Chargers. And by the way, it, we had an earthquake. And a hurricane. And so and it's supposed to rain Thursday night again. So I'm just but there is some it's you know, whenever you go into any new building, it's it's tough. But this team is, you know, for the most part, to have played in this building that's not a division game, and you
2: know, it's gotta help a little bit. Yeah, look, I think whenever you're familiar with the surroundings, that it does help a little. I, I I you know, I don't think it's gonna make the difference in winning or losing or anything like that. But we've been to uh we've been to the stadium, we're familiar with it um familiar with the turf that's probably the more important thing is just getting used to you know the footing and and uh, the turf itself and and so we've, we've had a chance to do that earlier this year
1: we will end it where um we didn't have a chance to talk about it last week because you were in dallas you got win number 200 and you've already gotten win number 201 i i feel like maybe 201 was probably you know, more relaxing and you got it out of the way because you already had 200 and you've already passed somebody. You passed Ozzie Newsome uh, with, with with 201. Um, I'm sure it was fun in Dallas. I'd be around your peers uh, and to, to have, you know,
2: have that under your belt. Yeah, look, that's it's um, not something that I kept track of. You know, I was made aware of it by actually uh, um, Jeff Duncan a few weeks back and you know, I, I accused him of lying at first. He said, ah, it's not, I'm not close to that. And then, you know, you start looking it up and, and, uh, you know, I talked to Doug Miller and look, the thing that is, um, I guess, satisfying is that, man, the list of guys that are in that group of, of 200, you know, Ozzie, who's a good friend of mine. He's a great general manager, um, great person, Kevin Colbert, who doesn't get nearly enough credit for. Um, the job he did for many, many years in Pittsburgh, um, Bill Polian, who's a close friend of mine and, and a guy that I've always admired and aspired to be like, um, it's just, it's, you know, it's nice to be, uh, um, on any list that those guys are on Jerry Jones, you know, uh, as an owner, Al Davis, I mean, that those guys, um, yeah, you know, I just think so much of all the people on that list that you know, but here's what I said too, is that, look, 200 wins is great. It's, you know, one of the reasons I got into team sports is I just love the feeling of you get when you win. Right. But I didn't really think about how awful you feel when you lose. And, and, you know, I've done that 150 times as GM, that doesn't feel very good either. But, um, and, 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 but, but it was, it's a fun to mark a milestone, um, yeah, but I, I don't. I don't. I, honestly, I haven't really thought a lot about it since then.
1: And what this team has done finally is is what they talk about: play within themselves. It's it's about the saints, and let's stack success and then stack wins, and and that's what you have to do. You have to stack success, and then you stack wins, and
2: just see see what happens in the end. See where this thing lands. Yeah, you just look you. You play the game, you put it behind you, and and you look forward to the next game and just focus solely on it. And uh, if you do that, generally good things can happen. So just keep preparing and and, uh, get yourself ready to play, and then we'll see where it all ends up.
1: All right, sir. Appreciate your time as always. Let's get 202 on Thursday night and move on from there. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in Los Angeles. Thank you, Mike. Let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves here on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints radio network. I will step aside and sports director Steve Geller and sideline reporter Jeff Nowak will carry on as the Saints get ready for Thursday night football and the Rams here on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints radio network.
3: Hey y'all, who dat? I'm Jeff Nowak filling in for Mike Haas the rest of the way on the Saints hour and it's going to be myself and Charlie Long bring you up till eight PM. There's a few things I want to talk about here. You know, I think there's some few things we can get into. I know Charlie, we were talking before I came on about man, the NFC standings. They are I want to say they're a mess, but they're actually very, very condensed. They're very simple to look at. There's a lot of seven and seven teams. You got seven and seven, uh, six and eight, five and nine. There's gonna be there are there's a whole pack of teams right now. There's going to be at least three playoff teams among them and the best record of that group is 7 and 7. So,
4: let me actually get the number on this and so I have it perfect because out of the 16 teams in the NFC, there are currently 7 of them that are either 7 and 7 or 6 and 8. 5 of them are 7 and 7. So, yeah. as you said, very condensed in the middle of the pack. Uh, which if you do the math on that, and give me just a second, is 43% of the teams in the NFC are currently right da- uh, smack dab in the middle, 7-7 seven and seven or 6-8, and eight, guys. So you're looking at the Bucks leading the way at the fourth seed right now because they're leading the NFC South. And we'll go over all these schedules as well because I think it makes a lot of sense to kind of look at which of these teams are going to be moving up and down the ladder, so to speak. The Vikings are 7-7. Seven and seven, The Rams are 7-7. Seven and seven. Those are those three teams in those three playoff spots, as you were mentioning, Jeff. And then there are four teams that are kind of in the hunt still. These, I'm not really counting Chicago and, and – um, I think the Giants are both right. five and nine. I Mathematically, think
3: they're, they're still alive. But when you see that many teams at seven and seven, exactly. it's like virtually impossible. Even if they did get to, eight it's
4: like a one percent chance for one of those teams right. to potentially sneak in. So I'm not really counting them. We got uh, currently sitting outside of the playoff picture, but still in the hunt. The Seahawks at seven and seven, the Saints at seven and seven, the Falcons and the Packers both at six and eight. So Jeff, we kind of talked about this segment how we wanted to do it. I wanted to look at these schedules for the final three weeks for yeah. all of these teams, all seven of these teams. You're looking at the Bucks. They go, uh, they actually come home for back-to-back games against the eight and six Jacksonville Jaguars. Then the seven and seven Saints obviously next week, and then they uh, wrap up the season at Carolina, two and twelve. You and I were both talking about it. You can't really expect Carolina to do it twice. It was a miracle <laughs> yeah. last week that they beat, you know, Atlanta. Yeah, I think you're looking at. You know Tampa Bay feeling pretty good about this schedule.
3: Yeah, and I think that Jags game is really the only chance you have left to to kind of plug a loss on them. Right? I mean, anyone can stumble and lose a game, but I think you got the you got the gift from the Panthers Correct. that you can expect to get the Christmas gift of the what was it nine to seven win yes. over the Falcons and Desmond Ritter has, was a big part of that. You know, and uh, that's uh, that. See, that's like when the Saints played the Panthers last week. And I was like, this is an iceberg, and if you hit it, bad things happen. And the Saints steered around it, the Falcons, Falcons they went right into it. it. I mean, that
4: that interception that Ritter threw, and it was followed up by, you know, a 90-yard drive that ended up finishing the game on a game-winning chip shot field goal for the Panthers. I mean, that was as ugly as it gets, but Carolina gave the Saints a gift, and now the Falcons are definitely on the outside looking in. Six and eight.
3: Yeah, they still have a chance, right, because they have the head-to-head game against the Saints. So if but they can't stumble they, they can't they can't they, they stumble can, but they, they do have the loss. ability to hand the saints another loss which means that if for example the, Jag- the jaguars do beat the bucks and the falcons can get to 9 and 8 you're kind of looking at that as okay they're going to win the tiebreaker against the saints so it could still come down to that week 18 game
4: yeah. The- You're feeling confident that Tampa Bay at least reaches 8 wins because yeah. of that Carolina game. Now, what happens, the question mark is Jacksonville and New Orleans. If they stumble to Jacksonville, then the Saints have the potential to seal the NFC South if they beat both LA and then win in week 17 against uh the Bucs in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, we got the 6-seed Vikings 7 and 7. They are in trouble. They are in deep trouble because (laughs) that 14-point lead that they blew against Cincinnati, I mean, they have the tiebreaker over the Saints. They won that game head-to-head, but they played Detroit twice in these final three games. And Detroit, we're just seeing what they did to Denver just this past weekend. Uh, But in between those games, they also have Green Bay. I think Green Bay is in a similar spot as the Falcons where they need to win out, get to a 9-8 record, and potentially have a shot to make the playoffs Uh, just because there's so many teams that you expect to finish with nine wins.
3: Yeah, and the the Saints, you know, they did themselves no favors in terms of they're not going to win a lot of tiebreakers. Like a lot of the teams that they're like, they lost to the entire NFC North, right? Like that's these are teams that are factors in that. The I mean, the Lions are, you know, they they have a tough closing schedule too. But I mean, the Vikings, the Packers, they're in this conversation. The game that I didn't think about it while it was going on because last night I was rooting for the Seahawks to come back and you know for Drew Locke to get that game-winning drive. Then afterwards, I thought about it and I was like, man. The Saints would have been much better off with the Seahawks losing that game. Yeah. Because it's just another team. And you look at it and like, so if the Saints can't win the NFC South, you know, and that's that's a, the most straightforward road. If I'm the Saints, I'm not even considering a wild card. But in the interest of this discussion, if you do end up not winning the NFC South and looking at it and saying, how do you get into the playoffs as a wild card? Well, you're 4-5 and five in the NFC. And if you lose another game, you're, you're going to end up, at best, what? 6 and 6 in the NFC, right? I, I
4: want to say that a win against and, and I mean the guys were talking with Scott Chanley about this in the last hour, but if I think a win against LA Skyrockets their chances at
3: if you don't oh, win the south, right, right. you're you have to You're win that game. Going
4: to be a wild card team.
3: In terms of the wild card, this is a must-win game. Yeah, if I you agree. lose this game, you are not winning the wild card. So let's look at the Rams schedule. They're the seventeen well, wait, right well, now. I, I just want to. So I just want to close that off. So the Seahawks schedule. That's what I'm talking about. Yes. Their okay. closing schedule. So you want to look at that first? Yeah. Just because that what I'm saying is like you really wanted the Seahawks to lose to the Eagles because you look at their closing schedule and it's tough to see a loss in that where they maybe go to the Pittsburgh, Titans. Maybe
4: Pittsburgh. Maybe like Pittsburgh. Maybe Tennessee. Seven and seven Pittsburgh. But that's in. Arizona in Seattle
3: and then Arizona. So, I mean, you're talking about a team that should feel like it's got a good chance to finish 10 and seven. It's the Seahawks. The issue
4: with the Seahawks is that their closing schedule is easy because they already played the tough part of their schedule. They had like a brutal five week stretch, which is, I mean, they lost a lot of those games. That's why they're in this position. Yeah. They started out the year. Well, they beat the teams they're supposed to beat beating Philadelphia I don't want to say it books them a playoff spot, but it makes them a lot more likely to be one of those wildcard squads.
3: Well, and so like here's the thing. If they lose to the Steelers and win their other two games, they're going to be 7-5 and five in conference. So that's not helpful to the Saints because if, for that to come into play, for the wildcard to come into play for the Saints, they're going to have to lose a game. So the best they can get to is 9-8. and eight. So if the Seahawks win those three games, it guarantees them a spot. So I just think that was actually a big loss or a big result it, as a negative for the Saints, that I, yeah. in real time I was like, oh, man, i this is fun. In
4: us. Yeah. Oh, man. So looking at the Rams schedule, though, once again, this game is huge because after that the Rams go to New York. We just saw what New York, the product that they put on the field. I think the Rams would definitely be favored in that game. And then they wrap up the season at San Francisco. But if you're San Francisco and you're seeing – I mean, you already own the tiebreaker over Philly or Dallas – which are really the only two teams that are competing for maybe that one seed with you? If you're San Francisco, I mean, are you resting starters in Week 18? So I, I don't want—I don't want to say that that game would be an automatic loss, so to speak, just because it's San Francisco. San Francisco is the best team in the NFC. But looking at that schedule for the Rams, it's a manageable schedule for them as well. So, if I mean, on the Rams side of things, they're thinking the same thing. If we can win this game against the Saints, you're looking at a pretty uh, a manageable game, at least against the Giants and potentially a, a San Francisco team resting their starters. That's a playoff spot that could be booked for them as well.
3: I agree with that. And, you know, I mean, I think it's just, you know, if you're the Saints, you don't, again, like I said, you don't want to be looking at this and saying, how can we get in as a wild card? Because, this is your division to win.
4: Oh yeah, win win three straight, and you you got the South handed to you. But it's
3: got to be like this. Like when you say like this week, this Thursday night game is huge. It's a must win. It is. Oh, yeah. Like it's easy to look at those final two games against the division opponents and say, well, those are the important games, but they're not. Like because if you don't win this game, then you lose all of the ability to control where you go, and you're you're stuck sitting there on Christmas Eve, you know, yelling Duval. Because because you desperately need a Jaguars win. And, you know, thats I don't know if Trevor Lawrence is going to play in that game. He's dealing with a concussion. We've seen, you know, Derek Carr obviously got through the concussion protocol in one week, but it's not a guarantee. And so if you're talking C.J. Beathard in that game, uh, advantage bucks, right? Yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, we've seen Trevor Lawrence.
4: I mean, he did it to to, to the Saints. I mean, when he was kind of not 100% with a leg injury, he comes back. Concussion protocol, I understand, is different. right? But at the same time, I I think I would – hopeful that Trevor Lawrence would be playing in that game the line keeps kind of shifting and it's, it's saying that they aren't they're uncertain because obviously not much has come out about it it's pretty kept it's kept close to vest so to speak um, but, yeah, I mean, you got to be big Jacksonville fans this upcoming weekend. Well, because... and, what I,
3: and what I'll say about that is, too, is you look at it and you say, well, the Jags don't have any wiggle room whatsoever either. Yeah. So if it's like, you know, if there is a thing where you kind of push it and you stretch it out to the weekend because you desperately need, they've lost three straight. They are in a three way tie at eight and six in with the, the Texans and the Colts. Yeah, in the AFC South. And so, like, that's a huge game for them. So they're going to be motivated. It's not like they, like, you're talking about the 49ers, the final four weeks of the season, who knows what kind of team you get. If you're pretty much locked into the top Correct. seed and you've already clinched the division. But the Jaguars are nowhere near that. They're gonna go it's a it's a kind of an in-state rivalry. It's kind of like a college rivalry, right? It's the state of Florida fighting itself. Um so yeah. that's gonna be a game.
4: So ultimately, like I I think our points in this entire thing. Three and oh, you win the South, you're in as the four seed. Two and one, there's still a chance that you could win the South if things kind of shake out your way, so to speak. Like if you go two and one uh, and you win the next two games, and you lose to Atlanta in the final week of the season. But you have Tampa Bay lose to Jacksonville, or I guess even Carolina in this scenario. Then you still win the South because you get that win over Tampa Bay, and that's the biggest one of the season. So I mean, two and one either gets you potentially the South, potentially a wild card berth. Three and zero books your, wild, your your NFC South appearance and your four seed in the NFC playoff picture. Okay. So.
3: No, yeah, and I, and I mean, if you're a Saints fan and you're like, hey. You got a playoff game on Thursday, right? Like, that's how you should look Every at it. Every
4: single one of these games is a playoff game.
3: You know, wh- one other thing I'll throw your way, and I've been, I've been thinking about this for a while, and it drives me nuts. Because so geographically, right, we can all agree that Dallas is in the south. Dallas is a southern team, right? Yeah. And we could probably say that the Panthers are an eastern team, right? Like, we could say that. You could say the Falcons okay. are even an eastern team. You could team. say that, but uh, but the Falcons I mean, are, you know, that's yeah, Georgia. It's a little further south, right? Right, right. So if you were looking at this geographically and saying, where should the Cowboys be? Right, shouldn't it be the, the the NFC South? It's kind of like the NBA and how like they have all the Texas teams right. they're, like cluttered
4: together with Memphis and New Orleans. But
3: and then the only reason I bring this up is because you look at the NFC standings and if if you just did what geographically made sense and you had the Cowboys in the South and the Panthers in the in the in the East, then you would have an incredibly balanced set. You would have a ten win team in every division, and you wouldn't have a. Instead, the East is a dogfight. Yeah, instead the East is a dogfight, and then you have the South with you know a bunch of. Uh, Five hundred teams in it.
4: Yeah. Well, there you go. But I mean, just looking at it, just to sum up all this rambling that we've just done yeah. about the NFC teams that are just middle of the pack right now, seven and seven or six and eight. The Saints, you win out, you book that NFC uh, South spot. You're the four seed in the playoff pitcher, But if you go two and one, you still have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs as a wild card team.
3: It's a mess, and the Saints are right there in the middle of it. I can't – I would. I couldn't be happier. Oh, right, I mean, right the NFL now. loves this stuff. But, all it's right, it's this, great. This is the Saints Hour on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network, WWL AM 870, FM 105.3, and the Odyssey app. I'm Jeff Nowak alongside Charlie Long. We're going to come back and talk about some dark horses who could impact the final three games. Stick around. We're talking Saints football as the black and gold get ready for a Thursday night football battle with the Rams – Out in L.A., thanks for joining myself, Jeff Nowak, filling in for Mike Haas here on the Saints Hour. Also got Charlie Long behind the glass at Master Controls on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network, WWL, AM 870, FM 105.3, and always on the Odyssey app. and. This segment, this final segment, I do want to talk about some. You know, we t- we spent a lot of time talking about the usual suspects. We talk about Derek Carr, we talk about Chris Olave, we talk about Alvin Kamara. But I want to talk about this last segment, just some some dark horse players that I think could play a pretty significant role in the final three games. And just to kind of call out some names, because this is the time of year where you know you're a young player, you're not a rookie anymore, right? You, you you've got a much bigger workload You've got a lot more trust in you than you might have had in weeks five, six, ten even. Um, and so, so Charlie, is there anyone that sticks out to you? I know who i mine up. But is there anyone who sticks out to you in that kind of frame, either on offense or defense? Uh, yeah, if we're kind
4: of going for the dark horses, so to speak, like kind of the underdog names. I, I think last week's performance by the offensive line was fantastic. And specifically, you can highlight Landon Young. I mean Ryan Ramchek and we've talked about this uh, on the show multiple times that you know it feels like every week he's kind of on the injury report because he's getting yeah. rest days he's he's dealing with some some knee issues and stuff like that but he's played through it a lot of the time. And the fact that he missed that game against the Giants, I think, surprised a lot of people. But Landon Young stepped in and he played a great game against a really good Giants defensive front that we had highlighted all the entire week pr- prior, talking about like Dexter Lawrence and Ojolari and just some of the guys that they had up front that can really wreck games if you let them. But the offensive line was fantastic. The one kind of sack that Derek Carr had was a running Williams. back yeah. pr- protection breakdown, so to speak. Um, so Landon Young... If Ryan Ramchick is not allowed to go this upcoming week on a short week against, you know, the Rams, which I think we kind of both anticipate that happening, uh, just given what we've seen from so far, the injury report, where both the first two days, I mean, they haven't had a practice, they had a walkthrough and then a projection on Monday, he was listed as a DNP in both of them. So, you know, we'll see ultimately tomorrow what happens, like if he practices in a limited capacity, that's a good sign. But even if he can't go, I thought Landon Young was great, and I'd expect him to have another nice game against the Rams.
3: Yeah, and I have a little concern about Ryan long-term, because he's not really dealing with an injury. That's the my understanding of what he's dealing with, is it's kind of just a bulky knee. And it's been something he's been dealing with for a while now, and he has had the rest days, and he is on a program. And so, to me, that's a little concerning. He's a guy who you have invested a lot in, and he's under contract for several more years. And yeah. It's not a good sign that, you know, you don't have there isn't like he's dealing with a, a meniscus or anything like that. It's just just, you know, this cumulative cumulative I can barely talk. This cumulative impact on that knee is something that I am a little concerned about. But I do agree with you 100%. I got the chance to catch up with Landon Young in the locker room after the game. And one thing that I've been impressed with, not only was he able to step in at right tackle, if you go back a few weeks ago, Andres goes out of the game, and he's in there at left tackle. And, you know, so that ability to, to jump across the line, that is very, very helpful. It's the reason James Hurst has been here, because he's yeah. has that ability, and I... I asked Landon if he has leaned on James, and he has. Like James gives him, a, I think he calls it tips and tails. he got that kind of Kentucky slang yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah. Uh, kind of giving him that, the, you know, he's a very useful guy to lean on because it is difficult. You ask any lineman, going from right to left is not an easy thing to do. And for him to be able to do that and have that ability in the middle of the week, he didn't find out he was going to start until Saturday. Right. So to have that kind of ability to get those reps and to just pick it up, I think that's, you know, he's not your first choice, right, obviously. But to have a guy that you trust is is very valuable. It's
4: quality depth. I mean, that's what yep. you need, and specifically on the offensive line, the most injured position in football. Like you need good quality depth, and Landon Young, I think, provided that, and he proved that he could do that in that game against the Giants. I so agree with who you. Who you got, Jeff?
3: I got Mister A.T. Perry, a Torian Perry, the big man. You know who's been playing big time. He's been you've been going to him in big moments, and if you the last three weeks in particular. You know, you you went to him on a third and long. I think it was third and seventeen in the game against the Lions. You went you went to him for a for a shot play against the Panthers. It was forty four yards. You went to him again at th- third and sixteen. He converted on that against uh, who'd they just beat, the Giants. And then you know you went to him in the end zone and he forced a pass interference. And so to me, that trust is building between he and Derek Carr. And, you know, you can kind of work past that weird thing that happened in the Falcons game where he kind of thought he false started and forgot to run the route or whatever. Uh, but I asked Derek Carr about that today, and I, I thought his answer was good. In the last three weeks or so, there's been some big, you know, big moments. You've looked at AT Perry, the shot play, a couple long third downs, the passing interference. You know, mm-hmm. is that kind of with a rookie receiver, is that kind of that trust just built throughout the season? Where would you say that is with AT right
5: now? Yeah, I, I definitely trust him. You know, uh, I can promise you throughout my career, if, if I throw the ball in your direction especially in some critical moments then you know I trust you and you you and they've earned that you know and AT is someone that has earned that he's he's earned those opportunities he, he continues to make plays for us uh, you know down the field situationally uh, you know the one in the red zone you know he's about to go up and you know I think catch it you know uh, being positive <laughs> and he gets a PI great first down uh, you know so to so to call on his number and for coaches to have him in certain spots for hey just in case this ball may be going to you or this may be going to you Um, that says a lot too yeah you know even if the ball doesn't go there he could be the primary and they could take it away so uh, he's earned that right and uh, I'm excited about him I'm excited about his future uh, because throwing to a guy that big and that strong and that physical uh, is always fun for a quarterback
3: yeah, and I mean, you're talking about a team that doesn't have Mike Thomas right now. You're talking about a team that you know it, be, it does seem like Chris Olave is trending in the right direction to play on Thursday, but who, he's probably going to be on a pitch count, right? Rashid Shahid is still coming off that injury. I think he was on a bit of a pitch count last week, and so I think he'll still continue to see his role in, in, in increase. But you know, At is a guy who is a X factor in very specific ways in that. You you can't guard six five in certain in certain areas like you can just put it up and let him go get it. That's, That's just, the Jimmy Graham effect. Right? Exactly, exactly. And just if you trust that guy and you can go to him in third and sixteen, you can just put it somewhere he can go get it and he can make a play for it. And you trust him to do that. That's huge. So over these final three weeks, I have I have high hopes for him in big moments to step up.
4: Yeah, another kind of depth piece that you're hoping can step up with increased reps. I mean, they're going to ask him to play more reps while Michael Thomas is on the IR. Uh, and as you say, Chris Olave kind of up in the air about his availability. Kind of the same thing Rash- Rashid played, but you know he was on a pitch count. I don't think it's going to increase that much this upcoming week. So I agree with you, Jeff. I think that At Perry is definitely one to watch.
3: Yeah, and I mean these games are going to be fun. It's a it's a playoff atmosphere, and uh, every
4: single one of these games is a playoff game for the Saints.
3: And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, but thank you so much for joining us here on the Saints Hour. We had Mike Haas, we had Saints. Executive Vice President, General Manager, Mickey Loomis. And then it was myself, Jeff Nowak, and Charlie Long closing you out back at the Mothership. Join us for Thursday Night Football Saints at Rams. Coverage starts at 3 p.m. Kickoff with Deuce and Oss at 7.15 on the New Orleans Saints radio network. Who dat?
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.